Okay, to my brothers and sisters um, of all nationalities, I speak to you in a language of love. Believe me, this is coming from love. This is episode 14, Dear White People. Okay, hi, my name is Tamara and I am the art teacher for purpose. I write, create, and promote information that will help you find your purpose in life. I am pursuing to become a doctor of education. And like any good teacher, I'm going to provide you with the tools that you need to gain a clear perspective of this world. I teach from a Christian worldview, and I use the Bible as a foundation of truth and a source for all understanding, you guys, okay? So welcome to all the things you need to know about the end of the world. Okay, you guys, so yes, this episode is called Dear White People, um, mainly to the American white people who are in a deep brainwash about who you are and what your role is in the demise of this current world system. Um, And so when I say world system, you know, I'm talking about biblical truth that this world system is coming to the end and that a new system is going to be ushered in look you have two kingdoms working you guys okay i said this before you have two kingdoms working you have the world kingdom which is the kingdom of darkness which is the enemy's kingdom satan's kingdom um, that is going to try to usher in a new system of government why because the heavenly kingdom is a government And the ways and the order of the heavenly kingdom is perfect. The ways of the, of Satan's kingdom is false and is but it is modeled after the heavenly kingdom. Satan has stole many secrets from heaven and he seeks to rule the world, but he's lying to you. He's manipulating you. And you know what? I'm going to expect all kinds of interruptions. Um, and I'm just going to rebuke it in the name of Jesus because I I put off all my notifications, but here goes somebody else's phone going off in my space. But that's okay. I'm going to try um, not to come from a, a place of disgust or anger, but I do want to touch on this subject. Look, last episode, episode 13, was my heart being poured out for black people, for black people to understand who they are and how much God cares for you. The same thing goes for white people. Dear white people, God loves you. He cares for you. He doesn't want you to be confused about what is going on. So this episode, we're going to talk about white privilege. White privilege is a real thing. Um, We're going to talk about the lens in which white people see the world and how, and how everybody's lenses are different. The way that people see the world, the, actions that people do the experiences that they have they're all different um number three then this is direct this is directed towards yes the white population in america um, all black people are not the same and you have been conditioned to think certain things and certain stereotypes but even when you put people in stereotypes and have um prejudice against people it it's not real It's just how your brain wants to make sense of situations, okay? So number four, scientifically, right now, science is saying race is not even a real thing. There is no specific gene that says that makes you black or a specific gene that makes you white. 
listen, there needs to be a conversation about race and what race really is. And when we get into um, biblical foundations, there is such things as race in the Old Testament, in the Old Promise. But now that we have entered in to the new promise, the new covenant that is under Jesus Christ, all people are God's people. Listen to me very carefully because it says in the word that there was, that God is going to make the people who were not his people and they're go, it's going to bring them in and they will be his people and they will be his and they will be um, understanding of who God is and God will become their God. So God is everybody's God. Listen, I know people dis- disagree with that. I had disagreement with friends that are no longer friends about this very thing. So I'm teaching you biblical foundational truth. Dear white people, understand this. Because I want to make this point. Because there's a lot of people who are attacking. I'm going to go into... Um, Rachel and Dave Hollis in a a minute and if you don't know who they are I'm going to explain who they are because I see on social media a lot of people attacking um, Rachel Hollis about not saying anything about Black Lives Matter and you guys this whole season season two of all the things you need to know about the end of the world is about race and I this conversation needs to be had this needs to be said about whose voice matters (laughs) you know as far as being a voice for this movement black the black lives matters movement which is not the only movement for black people which is not the only focus for black people and i'm sick and tired of people associating it with um riots and violence that is what the enemy wants you to associate black people with. That's what people want you to associate an organized group of change with violence. Dear white people, that's not what this is about. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. This is not what this is about. So, okay. So what do we have to get into, guys? We're going to have to get into, <clears throat> excuse me, perspective is what we're going to have to get into um here goes the thing from for everyone who listens to this or spreads this you know shares this or whatever if you come across it in the future i come from a place of love okay and concern and concern so i want to open up this conversation in a respectful way um but first you know those things need to be said um of just about race what it is white privilege things like that okay so here goes the thing um rachel and dave hollis let's get into that real quick if you don't know who rachel and dave hollis listen rachel hollis has been a big huge influence on my life just as a person as a christian as an entrepreneur as a business owner as you know just moving forward my personal growth so rachel hollis is a motivational speaker she is an author um, of girl wash your face girl stop apologizing party girl like all kinds of you know books but her big success came from girl wash your face um and it was very informative um and very inspirational for women especially you know stay at home moms mothers working moms 
um, to make change in their life, make positive change in their life and, you know, write their future and write their vision and, you know, write their goals and things like that. Now, listen, guys, I relate to Rachel and I have related to Rachel before her popularity, before Girl Wash Your, wash your Face, because of what she was doing and what she was saying. She was teaching a true biblical message come on let's i mean if you guys know about nehemiah building the wall and having vision and having a mind to work this girl has a mind to work and she spreads that throughout her community and she builds community and she builds foundation and the thing is um as she was building her career building her business her husband came um and kind of you know came along with her leaving a successful career at Disney and becoming um, the, I believe like the CEO of her company and, you know, taking over a big management um, part. And they started working together. He started doing um, a lot of personal development and things like that. And he has also become part of the community. We have accepted Mr. Dave Hollis along with Rachel and her teachings. And they have done a lot of teaching on marriage and, you know, just working as a team and get so much great teaching, so many great lessons. And the other day I came across the post um, that they were getting a divorce. Okay, so this is about two weeks in the making of them getting a divorce, um, which is just very shocking to the community. And of course, a lot of people responded to that. So why do I say all this? Listen, okay, so for those of you who don't know Rachel and Dave Hollis, they are your typical, um, you know, white couple, <laughs> like they, white, like I am an African-American female. I speak from an African-American viewpoint. I I feel like I'm an expertise in this because I, at, at almost 40 years old, I have been black all my life. So my voice matters in this. What I'm going to say does not matter as much at the level um, if someone else was talking on the race perspective of this. What does What matters less is a white woman's perspective on this right now because I'm going to tell you what I see okay so as I'm looking at the in you know trying to figure out what's going on with the divorce and you know the ex, any kind of explanation any type of <laughs> you know information on this you know I'm going back and I'm going through those posts and I see a lot of things about, oh, this is just a ploy um, to get her out of commenting on Black Lives Matter. See, this is where it comes back to. It comes back to this Black Lives Matter thing. Oh, my goodness. I, you know, I had to comment because it was some white lady because I saw her picture and she made a comment. I'm going to look up this comment right now. Okay, so I'm going to leave her name out of it, but she says, this could just be a social media cover-up for her not showing up for Black Lives Matter with all the white women that follow her and how she is so connected and dedicated to her black bestie. You'd think she would show the hell up and educate about racism and white privilege. I can't wait to see how well Dave does now. He doesn't have 
a CEO for a wife. I'm so disappointed in her, not for the divorce, but for choosing silence. Okay, and my response was, um, read your comment. As a black woman, I totally disagree with you. I love Brit's talk on racism that was found in the next 90 days. There are a lot of emotions, opinions on this post. I'm going to just pray for them and watch God do whatever um, he planned in the first place. Don't bring Black Lives Matters into this. You have no idea what you're talking about. Black people don't need a white savior to speak up for them. So that was my response to the ladies, the ladies saying, um, you know, that this is a whole hoax. Listen, I don't care what it is. Listen, if they are going through something and they didn't let you anybody know on social media, that's their prerogative. They don't have to let everybody know what's in their business. And if you do that on social media, then that's your bad. Okay. Don't do that. Also, I do not feel that Rachel Hollis is responsible to speak up on a subject that she is not an expert in. She does not speak on that. She speaks on self-help, motivation, personal development. She's a coach. She's an entrepreneur. Why would she speak up on this issue? But this is what she did do, which I, I am very appreciative of. She's not say, she's not saying just sweep it under the rug and ignore it. No, she has um, a friend, Britt Barron, in the previous episode on episode, I believe, I believe it was, if this is episode 14, then it was on episode 12. I gave you guys a little insight on um, Britt Barron and her speaking on racism and um, systemic racism in this country and what it means and what it looks like. Okay. So two posts before Rachel Hollis's post about her divorce and what, I, you know, what I had just read to you, um, Britt Barron, um, Rachel used some of her words on a post to, you know, comment on Black Lives Matter, what I thought was very well written. It was very um, just it was just a very good voice for black people and I believe for her community also. And let me tell you this, I believe that <laughs> this young lady, Britt Barron, she is um she is biracial. They show a picture of her and her dad, her dad, which is African-American. And she was talking about her spending time with her dad. And I'm going to read you the post and the, I'm going to read you parts of the post and what it says for um, basically geared towards Rachel's audience. Now, mind you, Rachel has a huge audience. Okay. There's a lot of people that follow her, read her books, buy her products and i believe the majority of them are white females in america okay white american females is the it's the demographic okay um let's read a little bit of what she said words of Britt baron look we are working against 400 years of systematic and systemic oppression. It's not going to go turn around with one Instagram post. It's not going to turn around with five years of work or 10 years. We are going to give our lives to this and hope to see change and know that we are joining generations of people who gave their lives to this, probably generations more. If that's not the fight you thought that you were getting into, 
I hate to break it to you, but we are going to be in this for the long haul. I don't say that to sound hopeless. I am saying that so we can understand that it's going to take a lot more than feeling sad to create change. It's going to take a lot of work, lots of it. So I thought this was very good. I thought that she, I believe that Rachel gave Brit a platform and gave her space within her community to speak up on this matter. Now, you guys, the death of George Floyd, I mean, that was last month. We're talk, we're going on a month now. We're a month into this. And do everybody, does everybody have a space to speak up um, with the voice of authenticity and professionalism and qualification not everybody has that space to do that and not everybody has the perspective to do that I don't think that Rachel Hollis has a perspective to do that I don't care if she has a black best friend um the to the to the writer that said something on that post that I had to address no, just because you have a black best friend doesn't mean that you know the black experience. And that go speaks to your narcissism. That See, that makes me upset that you think and that you can attack a white woman who has a lot of um, pull and a lot of influence and that you can attack her or not speaking up for Black Lives Matter. It's not her place to speak up. So in that case, I support Rachel Hollis. Thank you. This is a message to white women. Sit down, shut up and take note of Rachel Hollis. That's the message. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know my experience. You want to know my experience? Then, hey, go back into the womb, be born black. And then you will know my experience in this America. Okay. How dare you? That is a narcissistic uh, perspective. If you think that you are the only one or the, you are the expertise on to speak up on Black Lives Matter. It's not anyone's position to speak up on it. Especially if you're not African-American living in America. And I'm going to call out Ryan Jessen since you were one of the first people to comment. What do you have to say, Rachel? Not an not the employee. I love her voice and thoughts and me. No disrespect. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Here, here he goes further. But what do you as a major influencer, inspirational speaker, author, etc., with massive following have to say how do you feel your silence is seen and known right now look ryan this is the thing you as an african-american male male should not be pointing your fingers you, you know what and guess what i'm guessing that he's african-american let me go to his post oh he's not even african-american oh my word no that's an attack that's an attack a solar energy consultant are you kidding me and you have the nerve to to attack rachel hollis you don't know what you're talking about okay let me break this down this is exactly this is exactly what we're talking about 
this, you guys, this is an example of white, white privilege. Let me, let me break this down. This is going to be a long show. The following is an excerpt from Cheryl E. Met Mateus, not I, the narcissism, I'm sorry, the narcissism of whiteness. Okay. So listen, you guys, this is the thing. Um, there's a such, there is a such thing as white privilege. Okay. And a lot of, a lot of white people are not aware of it, but when they do become aware of it, it's, it's actually a consciousness that has awakened. You recognize your space in society and you recognize your role. Okay. In society that actually perpetuates systematic racism in this country okay and it's not just against black people it's not it's it's the system that is set up that ranks people okay and this is kind of set up in all of our minds so developing your consciousness about your role in creating and maintaining a racist society and there, there's a need for white people to take an active role in eradicating that system of racism. Okay. So that's, that's white consciousness are being aware of your white privilege. Okay. So the excerpt that I'm about to, um, share with you is from a chapter in the narcissism of whiteness and it brings you a, perspective from an african-american woman who often finds herself in white in spaces with majority of white people as a speaker on education and you know trying to change the education system to to a more a multicultural education just people being aware of other people's culture and feelings and emotions as they're you know coming up in in um, our education system. So she speaks on that. Okay. So she just wants to inform people about racial education. So she also often finds herself in these, um, as she speaks on these platforms and she says, she's oftentimes the only African-American woman. And when it comes to question and answer, she often gets these responses that are just like, why are you, why are you saying this? You're supposed to have, you're supposed to ask questions that are going to help solve problems and are say something that's going to bring solution. It's supposed to open up a discussion so that change can happen. Okay. That, that's the purpose of her, of her talks. That's the purpose of her conversations. That's a, that's the whole purpose. But what happens instead is an example of white narcissism you guys what is narcissism is narcissism is a grandiose sense of self-importance and this is why i said in that post we don't need rachel hollis to speak up as our white savior we don't need a white savior that's a, that's a that's a whitewash that is on the minds of people as even as Jesus Christ as a white man, I don't see Jesus Christ as a white man. I don't need a white savior. 
That's not my Savior. My Savior is Lord, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is not the same Jesus that you see because I do not see the world through the same lens that white people see. And that's why this episode is entitled Dear White People. And I think I'm really focusing on white women in general because I believe that that's part of Rachel Hollis's um, major audience. So with this said, okay, let me read, let me read the excerpt from, and this is by Cheryl E. Mateus, Not I, Chapter 5, The Narcissism of Whiteness. In my years of advocating racial edge, okay, hold on, let me start over because I was going to put some music or something to it, but you know, I, I don't know, I need to make it bigger and I'll try not to fumble over my words. But I want you guys to hear this. So in my years of advocating for racially just education, I have done quite a few lectures, invited talks and panel discussions. In them, I explicate the need to address whiteness, lest we collectively be at the mercy of recycling it, especially in a field like education, predominant with the white female teachers, it becomes even more necessary that we stop playing the I don't see race game just because it unfetters white fragility. Beyond the discomfort, there lies a truth that must be exposed, deconstructed, and honestly re-examined if we are to proclaim ourselves as anti-racist teachers, racially just teachers, or even socially just teachers. As such, In my talks, I always impress upon the audience the need to critically interrogate whiteness and go beyond celebrating the racial epiphanies of whites who have become racially aware. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Because when whites become racially aware, this is their white consciousness awakening and they actually understand that there is a such thing as white privilege. But listen to what she says about this, okay? So she says, um, we have to go beyond celebrating the racial epiphanies of whites who have become racially aware. Here he goes. In fact, I focus specifically on theoretical ruminations of whiteness such as the emotionality of whiteness and how it dominates space this hegemonic emotional domination renders the emotions of people of color as subordinate to the emotions felt in whiteness that is because the hegemonic power of whiteness racial dialogues fall short when emotionalities of whiteness such as guilt defensiveness silence or sadness are held above emotionalities of anger frustration sadness and humiliation felt by the people of color when deconstructing race here goes the issue there goes the issue you guys and it happens it's happening right now on Rachel Hollis's post about her divorce and it goes back into Black Lives Matter because somebody commented oh this is just a hoax um this whole divorce thing so so she can get out of not commenting on Black Lives Matter she does not have to comment on Black Lives Matter I believe that her silence actually um as far as using her voice to comment on it is uh application of her understanding that is not her place to comment on it but i do like how she used um her platform to allow 
um, one of her friends to use her voice and comment about it because she has experience with being black and she can comment on it white people you do not have to comment on it to feel special to feel that your whiteness matters you do not have to say anything about this be quiet shut up take a seat get a notebook out and take some notes about how we feel because it is frustrating for us it is sad for us it is emotional for us it is humiliating for us and if you want a story about how humiliating it is, go back a couple of episodes because I shared a humiliating story. Only one of many humiliating stories about being black in this country. So Cheryl goes on to say that during these talks, she spends hours, hours trying to explain the that they need to decenter whiteness and the emotionality of whiteness. And it's not about your emotions right now. Then I think that's the point of Black Lives. One of the points of Black Lives Matter is to open up the understanding that our voices matter, our frustrations matter, and things of these sorts need to be recognized as important. Our lives need to be recognized as important. The understanding that this is happening in this country that racism is indeed happening in this country and that everyone needs to be involved in it is happening and what this author says is that the white audience members always seems to shift the focus back onto the white agenda or the white what the white issue about feeling guilty and then what happens when they come up to, for question and answer then the questions regarding any type of proactive conversation goes away from that and and it's actually focused on people's whiteness how much they do for the community how much they're active for um black people well it's not about you this is the thing it's not about you it's not about rachel hollis it's not about rachel hollis having a voice to speak up against anything the next point that the author says that um white people often you know plays the helplessness card well, what am I supposed to do? I I mean, it wasn't my it wasn't my um grandfather that had slaves. Yeah, or it wasn't me. It was, you know, that was a long time ago. This is the issue. Dear white people, this is the issue. No one's asking you at this point to go back and pay I, I at least i'm not reformations for what your ancestors did i'm not here and i don't care about how you feel right now about black people saying that this is an issue your opinion about me being able to voice my opinion is none of your business. I'm going to voice my opinion. So shut up, sit down, and take note. 
okay? Does that, does that mean that we don't need white allies? Yeah, we need white allies to do the work, not just talk. Not just talk. Bring awareness. Rachel Hollis, for as long as I follow her, has been doing the work. Because the same work that it takes to motivate white people is the same the same motivation that it takes to motivate black people. Who the fuck do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And this is me. I'm getting upset because I'm, I, yes, I'm a Christian and I curse a little, just like Rachel. I'm a Christian and I curse a little, and it makes me upset. Who do you think you are? I'm going to tell you who you think you are because it's the enemy that has set you up on this pedestal and set your mind up because you really do think that you're superior. That's racism. That's racism. We don't need our white allies to flaunt privilege around in your efforts to help black the black cause, okay? The black cause, it, that's not what we need, okay? We do need people to be aware that we do need to end systematic racism, but announcing your privilege about who you are and how you understand our experience, no, you don't understand our experience. It, that's very offensive. Your sympathy shows your narcissism, okay? The way that you display your sympathy shows your narcissism. Can I tell you the right way to display your sympathy? No. We're into uncharted territory and it's going to take a lot of work. Just like Britt Barron said, it's going to take a lot of work to change the minds of the people, okay? Dear white people, listen, it's necessary for us to have this conversation. My anger is not, or my tone is angry, but it's more an anger of frustration. And I don't want people to get the impression that I, that I don't want to talk about it. And that, you know, it's not that it should be, it is a conversation that needs to be had, Okay. Um, but I think that black people have sat down enough, have taken enough, have observed enough and just have looked around and seen enough to know that it's time for us, our voice to get louder and it's time for people to hear. So the side of the conversation, so it hasn't really been much of a conversation piece going on. What has been happening is we have been being, we have been talked to, talked down on, talked about, you know, in the conversation that we need to have has not happened. So I really do think that it's time for white people in general. And you know what? I'm getting off a lot of the biblical foundation of this. And I think I'm going to have to, the next episode is going to have to, you know, talk about the biblical foundation of what this actually is and how um, God's people have been punished and who God's people are and why we are experiencing this and why people experience all of this um, pain and suffering in different ways. Listen, it's time for the white voice to simmer down a little bit, take a seat, and listen 
to the black voice. Okay. From the struggles and the frustration and the injustice. There are sorry, the injustice that, that has happened in this country and continues to happen. And if we do not speak loud enough on this issue, if we simmer down because of our forgiving hearts, because I do believe that black people have forgiving hearts, loving hearts, and we just want to get along. But guess what? It, <laughs> we can't keep holding it in and then having these bur these bursts of emotions that look like violence that look like different things which is not what all black people do because all black people are not the same but again it's time for white people just take a seat listen don't always try to be the savior of the situation you're not that important in the story okay i'm sorry you're just not um, and I will go maybe later in another episode about exactly what your part is in the story. I need to talk about the story. The story is that God made all people. He placed certain people in certain positions so that we could have an analogy and a metaphor about the meaning of life. And when you step out of the actual physical life story, and get into the spiritual, you see it so much more clear. But this is what I have to say about having these type of conversations. Some white people, I cannot have this conversation with you because you do not come from the same mindset that I do on this. Like I'm really looking into this as an educator, as a, a person that cares about growth and learning and some people are just so stuck in their ways and they don't even hear the things that they say as ignorant. They don't, they don't see it. Just like those comments that I read on, um, on those Rachel Hollis's posts on Instagram. It's just like such a place of ignorance. And uh, right now I am studying and looking into, um, the importance of, um, seeing things through, worldviews and lenses and um, I'm examining the education system through the critical race theory lens and a lot of people don't understand what that is I am going to do another episode on critical race theory I'm going to talk about racial battle fatigue on another episode and like get definitions about what these things are because a lot of people just don't understand and a lot of people just speak from a place of ignorance and although you know on this um, episode I'm you know I may be fumbling through my words just because there's a lot of motion and everything behind this I am very connected to it um, my family as well as myself are African-American people living in this society, living in this culture, living in this country who have experienced many different things that if we were white, we would not have experienced, which has affected our lives tremendously, has affected my husband's life, my life have affected then therefore has affected my children's life and how they see things. So, this is something that is perpetual and moves forward from generation to generation 
the experience of being black is not something that you experience just by waking up your white consciousness. So dear white people, you do not know my struggles. You do not know my experiences by just being conscious that you are white in America and that you are in a privileged position. Okay. So, um, I just wanted to share with you, um, one of these, these Ted talks, um, Dr. Keith Stanley Brooks, he, um, talks about critical race theory. And I just wanted to share a couple of minutes of what he was talking about because I thought it was important. So here he goes. So again, because I have a short time period and again, I don't expect everybody to understand but at the root of what we're talking about, if, if somebody wants to say, well, hey, what is the problem? What's the challenge? Why this? Why that? This is it. It's not a bad word. White supremacy is not a bad word. It's a mindset, right? I'm not walking around concerned about, you know, individuals in hoodies and burning crosses. They are who they are. I'm not concerned about them. It's the, the, daily, the daily individuals that I'm around who ascribe to white supremacist thinking and don't know it. They're the most dangerous. And so that's why I'm glad that I have the opportunity to be with you all today. And I know I'm going very quickly, but I will share my PowerPoint with whoever sends me an email and says that they want it. Critical race theory. So I want to acknowledge a few of the individuals that I have drawn from uh, because there's nothing new under the sun. And these are individuals that are phenomenal authors and speakers. Derek Bell, Gloria Latson Billings, and you see the rest of the names. So in the original literature, many, uh, most of them just say race as a factor. But it's not race as a factor per se. It's the concept of race, meaning it's not real, right? There's no Norwegian gene or Nigerian gene or Irish gene, right? It's something based on skin color. So what you saw the past 400 years or so, there's all these things loaded up on the meaning of a person's skin color, and we have just inherited it and many times don't process and think about what those things are, and then it's lived out in our daily realities and interactions. So, for example, even as a professional, even somebody with a doctorate degree, I can't tell you how many times in uh, professional settings where uh, my questioning or, or asking questions or uh, looking at things through an equity lens uh, it comes off as belligerent or angry or insubordinate. So there's really no difference between me or, you know, Tamir Rice or Trayvon Martin or Jamar Clark, Eric Gardner, on and on. it. There's no real difference. Review the same. Okay, so I'm going to pause it there because that's the thing. Um, because people don't sit down. And listen to the black voice and black opinions, the black emotions, the black frustration, the black sadness, the black concern. Our voices all get mingled up in one big ball. And like we're saying the same thing and we're not saying the same thing. Everybody has their own experience. All black people don't say the same thing and don't have the same experience in America and don't have the same concerns. My main concern is in education. Because why? Because I was a student that grew up in the public school and I was a teacher who taught in the public school. And I can see the systemic 
racism that is happening. And I have children that go to school in the public school and I can see how they are affected by other people's opinions of them and labels that are put on them. And I can see how it affects their self-efficacy, their, their understanding, their, their black identity. And if they are already feeling in school that it doesn't matter what they do or what they say, if their voice is not being valued, that means that their life is not being valued. And how do they go and live in an America like that? Dear white people, we want to be heard as individual people. All black people don't have the same struggle. No, all black people don't come from poverty. No, that is your view of who black people are. No, that's why. I am going to be continue to be a supporter and a follower of Rachel Hollis. I'm sorry that so many people feel like they have been lied to, um, you know, just by by the whole divorce thing. But guess what? I'm going to be a supporter of Rachel Hollis because I understand how the enemy throws attacks at people when they are doing good work. And she is doing good work. Vision is important. Writing your goals is important. Being a hard worker is important. These are things that I believe Rachel and her team and her community have shared and are values that are important. And it should not be thrown away just because of how other people feel about her commenting on Black Lives Matter. Like, that's ridiculous. Or... Her not being totally transparent with her marriage. Look, she didn't have she don't have to be. She was running the business. She's a smart kid. She's a smart girl. I'm gonna say this again. Everyone needs to develop their consciousness about your role in creating and maintaining a racist society. I'm gonna do another 30 seconds or so of Dr. Keith Stanley Brooks. Here we go. So U.S. society is based on property rights. I always encourage people to look up um, the concept of whiteness, to understand what that is and racial identity development, to understand truly what we're dealing with. So the narrative many times is told from the perspective of a group that has historically and continually exploited and manipulated situations and people to overlook wrongdoing. That needs to be addressed. And if we don't address it, then what we're indirectly saying is that we're okay with the current state of state of affairs. Take a look at this now. Okay. And that's the problem. That's the problem. The same people who are in charge, the same people who are, who have the power to make decisions are keep on promoting this type of thinking. And I'm going to say, please promote the thinking of valuing everyone's opinion listening to people and not having the idea that everybody has the same thing to say. No, right now in this atmosphere, in this time, I'm not going to value a white person's opinion over one of my black colleagues in this in this thing in this black experience 
one of my black classmates, one of my black peers. Okay, I value that opinion so much more than someone who has no experience being black. And you having a black friend does not give you the experience of being black. It just doesn't. Dear white people, all black people are not the same. Dear white people, you are viewing a lens through only your worldview. Take the time, listen, learn from people who are willing to teach you or that are around you. But that still doesn't give you a license to speak for me. It just doesn't. It doesn't give you the license of superiority in this subject. It doesn't give you a license to dismiss any concern on the black perspective. You do not get to dismiss Black Lives Matter. By saying all lives matter. You do not get to dismiss my frustrations and my sadness and my concern and my worry for my African-American men. You do not get to dismiss the condition of my life due to racism in America. You do not get to dismiss my perspective. You don't get to do that. Stop. It's no longer allowed. Sit down, shut up, and take notes. <laughs>